you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, welcome in. We're going to have a blast today looking at some of the questions that you all have submitted. Real-life questions. We don't make things up here. We don't have to. The real-life questions are more interesting. And these are things that not only uh, we can unpack together, things that will help me as I look at ways to improve my own life and business. I love the process. Love having a privilege every week of responding to your questions. So today's show is brought to you by Audible. And you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days to get a free audiobook download. Now, I'm going to be telling you some specific recommendations, as I always do. So I'll have some books that I'll be uh, promoting for you here just in a little bit. Well, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today, and we're going to kind of title today's podcast. The theme is, What Can You Do to Promote World Peace? I'll tell you how here in a little bit. Yeah, we can all be part of that. Here's some of the questions. Research shows wealthy are least likely to retire. Now, that's actually a research project that I want to share with you, just some tidbits from that. Dan, no one has been trying to talk me out of my dream. You'll be surprised when you hear why nobody's been trying to talk him out of his dream. Dan, could you elaborate on items you read, do, and listen to during your daily golden hour? Can I make money talking about movies I've been to see? Dan, how can I best sell the idea for a video social media marketer position? I've got some comments on that. Trust me. How do you get paid if you have a if you're a whiz at social media marketing in today's environment? I've got some views that may not be uh, exactly what you want to hear. And then somebody says, how do you and your buddy Dave Ramsey differ on your financial views and your views on careers? Well, I'll talk about that a little bit if we have time to get to that. Here's our quotation for the day. Comes from Mother Teresa, who said, what can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. I think that's pretty profound. Don't need to comment on that a whole lot. What can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. Love the thought there. Well, in last week's podcast, if you had a chance to listen to that, I interviewed Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Always just a delightful gentleman with his British accent. Always a surprise to hear a Jewish rabbi speaking with a British accent. But love talking to my friend Rabbi Lappin. He's got a new resource coming out, 10 Commandments for Financial Prosperity. And in last week's podcast, we uh, gave you some links to that and encourage you to go find that. You can find a link to that on the 48days.net website, probably 48days.com as well. I'm not sure where it is, but we got multiple banners showing why the Jewish people prosper and ways we can learn from them if you are not one of them. But there's one thing in there that I got a lot of comments on. And I ask a question, kind of set him up for this because I didn't know the answer, but I sometimes play a clip from Fiddler on the Roof in this podcast. And it's the song, which you're all familiar with, If I Were a Rich Man. Now, he says he hates that. 
Let me play just a clip of it here. This is from Fiddler on the Roof. chance to listen to it can you imagine why a jewish rabbi would hate that song he says a jewish man would never say that would never say if i were a rich man a jewish man would always say when i am a rich man they have that much confidence it fits in their theology their cultural expectations when i am a rich man i thought it was hilarious to hear him talking about it in that way well speaking of wealthy people incidentally thanks for your comments on that podcast got a lot of comments you can comment both through itunes or on our 48days.com site where i always have the show notes there with additional information you can link through too but thanks for your comments now this is the research shows that the wealthy are the least likely to retire now why do you suppose that is why would it not be expected that the most wealthy would be the quickest to retire? I mean, isn't that why we accumulate wealth so we no longer have to work? Well, if you've been listening to me very long, you know, I think that's pretty whacked thinking because it doesn't work that way. People work not just to accumulate money. If your only reason for working is to accumulate money, you're not doing work that you love. It's just simply a means to an end. And we want to get you out of that pattern. We want to get you away from that. But guess what happens once you start doing work that you love? Golly, you just keep doing it. So we see people who make that wonderful transition, whether it's at 30 or if it's at 65. Let's say it's at 65 where somebody really figures out what it is they want to do. Well, guess what? Retirement loses its appeal. They just keep working. Not so they can just accumulate more for themselves, but so they can have money flow through them. And the Old Testament talks about blessed to be a blessing. You know, you may not need money anymore, but we find a lot of people who don't need any more money continue working because they're doing something that has meaning to them. They're doing something that has value to their communities. And they recognize they have the, the stewardship responsibility to continue generating money, even if they no longer need it themselves personally. So the richest are the least likely to retire. It's those who are at lower income levels who are trying to figure out ways to retire. And often those at lower income levels are struggling along in work that they don't really enjoy. So they're trying to figure out how to just get enough money accumulated in a little pile so they can quit doing the work that they don't enjoy. Well, both of those things are not positions you want to be in. You want to be in work that you love and you want to be not just figuring out how to way to squeak through retirement where you're eating dog food, but you want to recognize that you ought to be able to enjoy your last days right up until the day you die. 
golly, I hope I'm doing exactly what I'm doing today, the day I die. Now, my voice may be a little quakier or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll have enough sense to stop doing a podcast when I can't speak clearly anymore. But I enjoy doing what I'm doing. I'll be doing some form of what I'm doing, I think, right up until the day I die. I have no desire at all to see myself in a retirement center where I just get up every morning having no inkling of what I'm going to do, nothing to be done, and just wander down the hall and shoot the breeze with the other old guys, you know, eating breakfast. Nah, not an appealing plan to me at all. Well, we always start off with a success story as well. And I got one that I really am delighted to share with you. This comes from Dan Kuyper. Now, Dan lives uh, up in Indiana, I think somewhere, and he wrote me a note just a couple days ago. It says, guys, he wrote it to Joanne, my wife, Ashley, my daughter, because he knows them as well. He's been here. He mentions that in here. He's been down here for multiple reasons. And he says, Dan, I just had to let you know, I had my first book signing Friday night in my hometown at a little Christian bookstore. Now, Dan wrote a book. And the title of the book is When Father is a Bad Word. He talks about his own struggles growing up with a father that did not set a good example, was not somebody that he admired. So the title of his book is When Father is a Bad Word. So he had his first book signing Friday night in his hometown at a little Christian bookstore. The store owner kind of gave me one of those you-can't-be-serious looks when I came in carrying three cases of 40 books each. So he had 120 books that he brought to a book signing. Now we know that at book signings, yeah, it's rare to sell 20 or 30. I mean, I've been at book signings where somebody had a major publishing deal. So the book was published by Random House or Doubleday or somebody like that, Simon Schuster, where they had a publicist set it up. And I've been to book signings where three or four people showed up with that kind of big publishing house promotion. I mean, I really have, not just exaggerating to make a point. I've been to those where there's only three people there. And I've seen books, signings with, uh, golly, popular people like Al Gore, you know, where there are 20 or 25 people showed up. But anyway, so Dan shows up with 120 books and the store owner said afterward that selling 40 books at a signing would be considered very successful. Well, Back to Dan's note. Well, that was what was what to be an an hour and a half signing turned into three hours. There were so many people that after 30 minutes, everyone was limited to one book each. We sold all 120 books. Considering that some people came but didn't have time to wait, so they left without getting a book. Some people wanted to buy several, but they were limited to one. Some waited only to have us run out. It was estimated that if we had had enough, we would have sold well over 200 books. Dan, you told me at Write to the Bank conference to put the book on hold and build my platform. I did. I started a website, spoke to any group that would have me, began blogging, began doing Finding Father's Love retreats. You were right. By the time the book came out, people were hungry for it. I have a feeling this is going to be bigger than I ever dreamed. Thank you so much for your advice and support. I'm hoping to plan a trip to the Franklin area in the coming months for another Finding Father's Love retreat. We'll have to connect. Blessings, Dan Kuyper. That's a great success story. Now, this is not, you know, somebody who sold a million copies and is a New York Times bestseller, but what an amazing way to start. 
to have a book signing at a little Christian bookstore and sell 120 copies. That is phenomenal. Please hear in Dan's note the fact that he built a platform. When he came, probably a year and a half ago now, to Write to the Bank, the live event here at the sanctuary, you know, we tell people, don't expect to just write a book and then be successful. You have to, we tell them, as Michael Hyatt talks about in his book, Platform, content is king, platform or connections are queen, and the queen rules the castle. You have to build connections, have to build a platform. Well, Dan did that. He put up a nice website, started blogging, he started speaking at different events. So he built a platform where he had a lot of people that knew what he was talking about, the content in his book, when father is a bad word. So when the book actually came out, he let those people know the book was out. Guess who showed up as his book signing? All those people he had been speaking to for the last year where he was building his platform. Great example. Congratulations. Delighted for your success, Dan, and getting off to that great start with your book. All right, here's a question comes from Mike. I've gotten to know a young lady who has profound issues with speech and verbal communication. It can be rather difficult to understand her, but not impossible. Unfortunately, this impairment often overshadows her intelligent wit and delightful sense of humor. She spent an extended period of time in a state mental institution and currently resides in a government-supported assisted living facility. She recently explained to me, her eyes full of tears, that she was bored. She's 37 years old and spends the majority of her day watching TV and sleeping in between meals. She has social, limited social interaction. Her dream is to one day become a special education teacher, but she feels her speech impairment would prevent this from ever becoming a reality. I've done my best to be her Dan Miller, but I would appreciate any guidance or suggestions you could provide. Thanks. Well, Mike, man, I commend you on your wanting to help this lady and in being able to see beyond the obvious challenge that she has. Now, you say she has profound issues with her speech and verbal communication, and her dream is to one day become a special ed teacher, but she, of course, thinks that her speech impairment might prevent that from ever happening. I mean, we have a, a lot of examples in history of people who overcame similar challenges and went on to have amazing lives. I mean, certainly, I mean, Helen Keller was both blind and deaf. Um, Beth, Bethany Hamilton, the surfer gal who lost an arm in a shark attack and then came back as a championship surfer. I mean, just this week, I got a note from Ryan Lexer, who's editor-in-chief at Car Buzz, one of my favorite magazines. And he sent me a video of a young African-American guy who was born without arms, who's now an engineer with Hendrick Motorsports one of the most successful racing teams, NASCAR racing teams in history. But if I look at my own business, I mean, helping people find their passion and turning that into meaningful and profitable work, probably 95% of my work is done with no speech or verbal communication. I blog, write articles, sell books, manuals, eBooks. I would encourage you to focus on the talents this lady has and the communication methods that are available to her. Like I just mentioned, blogging, writing articles, selling books, manuals, e-books, all of those things are done without ever having to cure or overcome the reality of what she has. So see how you can help her position her intellectual content in ways that get the message out there. There's so much available today where you would never have to go back and try to help her overcome 
her speech impairment, whatever that is. Well, this comes from Roger, who says, Dan, while driving, I was listening to the audio version of No More Mondays for the third time, and in it you tell the story of Monty Roberts, the horse whisperer, and how after writing a school paper about his dream, he was given an F because the teacher didn't believe it was possible. At the end of the story, you ask, who's been trying to talk you out of your dream? And then it hit me, no one. No one has been trying to talk me out of my dream. And the reason is I haven't told anyone. I kept listening and throughout the book, you tell stories about your clients and friends and how you have encouraged them to follow their dreams or to do certain things. For a moment, I felt sorry for myself because no one ever encourages me. But that was short-lived because I realized quickly again, I haven't told anyone my dreams and ideas. I realized no one can encourage me or help me if I don't tell them my dream or idea. I guess I've been scared to tell people my dreams and ideas. I just wanted to thank you for giving me the push, even though you didn't know it, for helping me realize I need to tell people my goals. I'm going to start telling people my dreams and goals, and I hope you don't mind being the first to hear a couple of my goals. First, I've been blogging at Roger Benji. It's rogerbenge.com, and I have a series of posts on the U.S. Constitution. I'm going to compile those posts with some added content and write a book. I've purchased Andy Traub's self-publishing course and will be using his system to publish my book on Amazon. Second, I put May 22nd, 23rd Innovate Conference. Now that's May 22nd, 23rd of 2014. Innovate Conference on the schedule for me and my wife. If I can make that happen, it would be a great birthday present for myself. My birthday is May 24th. Anyway, thanks for the inspiration and for all you do. I hope to see you next May. Roger. Wow, what a great story of, of being transparent about, yeah, nobody's discouraging you. Nobody's telling you you can't do that because you didn't share anything. Well, you're right. I encourage people to share their dreams, to tell people. There's a built-in accountability as soon as you do that. If you want to lose 20 pounds, tell everybody that you see that you're going to do it by January 1st, as an example. Then you have the built-in accountability and extra motivation to make that happen. Do that with anything. If you want to be, if you want to go on one of, uh, golly, Richard Branson's trips to outer space, tell people you're going to do that. Golly, I mean, well, a couple things here. You know, the Innovate Conference, we've got one coming up here in September. It's totally sold out, has been for some time now, and people are registering, grabbing those spots for the events scheduled for next year already. And you can find those dates listed if you just look at 48days.com under live events. You'll see the dates already there for our Coaching with Excellence and Innovate for next year. Plan ahead for what you want to do there. Joanna and I have just decided we're going to go to Kenya, Africa, to see our son, daughter-in-law, and grandbaby in November. So we're having fun with that. We're telling everybody and picking the brains of everybody who's already been over there and getting ideas. But in, you enjoy the process more if you share it with other people. Let people know what it is that you're going to do. Now, having said that, Roger said that he was listening for the third time to the audio version of No More Mondays. Guess what I'm going to recommend? If you're not yet a member of audible.com which i highly recommend that you do but if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days you can just put in no more mondays and get that as a free audiobook now once you get a free audiobook then you can go back in 
They'll send you notices of other new things coming in periodically, and you can go pick up those as well. I love listening to audiobooks. It's a way to very quickly get through material while you're out mowing the yard or driving, while you're doing other things. Be filling your brain with positive, pure, clean, inspirational kind of material. And I'm delighted that No More Mondays inspired Roger. Maybe it can you as well. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. You can get that free audiobook download. Well, just a note, this is Dan Miller. This is a 48 Days Online radio show. If you got a question, you can submit it. I'd be delighted to look at it, consider it for an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48days.com link, click on the podcast, and you'll be shown a little box here where you can submit your question. And we'd be happy to consider that. Again, I love each week opening that mailbox and going through the questions real-life questions like you all have ready for me there week after week. This comes from Jeremy who says, Dan, I've been a fan of yours for years. I bought a few of your books, had a few of your, my questions answered on your podcast. I've accumulated a list of over 50 unique business ideas, and I'd like to write an ebook that would be a sequel to your book, 48 Low-Cost Business Ideas. I could write the entire book and give it to you for free. The only thing that I would ask is a small percentage of the sales of each book. I've included a sample of, the, of a few ideas below. Since I have a list of over 50, I could narrow the list down to the best 48 per your approval. Add hyperlinks to resources on your site or affiliates. I could create the book with the exact same look and feel as a first edition if needed. And I'd be happy to do all of this for free. Is this something that you would be interested in? Absolutely. I love the idea. Love it, Jeremy. Some of your ideas, you know, you've got real estate lead provider, golf cart GPS installer, online ghostwriter, Craigslist bulk buyer, Halloween costume reseller, apartment building coin laundromat installer, family album dis- digitizer, uh, computer recycling and so on. Yeah, I love it. Golly, just uh, if we haven't shot you a note back yet, consider this your open door to uh, compile something like that. I'm totally open to that. I do a lot of things. Now, I, I do a lot of things that we don't force to be under the 48 Days brand. I mean, I, you hear the things that I promote on here. I mean, I love to see people having their own success. I mean, did I endorse Dan Kuyper's book, yeah, I, I think I did provide an endorsement on that. Does that mean that he's required to give me a percentage of the sales? Absolutely not. No, I, I want him to be successful. I hope he sells a million copies of that. I mean, we do a lot of promoting of other ideas, just basking in the, the reward of knowing that we had some small part of connection or just, you know, seeing the success that other people have. I and mean, I love to see those things happening. So, I mean, I'm delighted if you want to come up with your own 48 low-cost business ideas. If you want us to promote it through our network, yeah, I'd take a look at it. If it's something we approve, we can work out something very simply on that. Not complicated at all. We don't require your firstborn child or anything like that. Trust me. Well, Alan from Nashville says, Dan, I was recently fired from a job I loved, and then I began to reset my thinking. I then looked at it as the best thing that happened to me, and I was really neglecting almost every other aspect of my life. I picked up your ebook, The Rudder of the Day, and I was reading about the golden hour. Could you elaborate on items you read, do, listen to during your daily golden hour? 
Thanks so much for all the work you do and the encouragement you provided. Now, in that little book, The Rudder of the Day, which has been a really popular seller for us for at least several years now, I need to put out new versions of that as well. I've got plenty of content, just haven't taken time to do that. But The Rudder of the Day is that first hour, which Henry Ward Beecher talked about as being the golden hour. What happens in the first hour of the day after you get out of bed really sets the stage for what your day is going to be like. I'm very protective of that golden hour. I want that to be where I am filling my mind with pure, positive, clean, inspirational kind of things. So do I get up and immediately turn on the TV to see CNN? Not a chance. Never in a million years would I do that. Do I grab a newspaper? No. Do I open my email? No, I don't do any of those things. In the first hour of the day, what do you suspect that I do? Well, you can kind of get the gist based on what I already said. I'm going to be listening. Now, that first hour of the day also is going to catch me on my treadmill. So I'm not going to be reading. I'm going to be listening to things. So I'm going to have the downloaded books that I have that I'm listening to. Now, right now and for since the beginning of the year, I start the first 30 minutes with Pimsleur Spanish. I've been learning Spanish, love the process um, at the point where I usually have all my communication when I go to get my Mexican meals, you know, in Spanish. And it's going a little beyond that. So I'm delighted with the progress I'm getting. So that starts with 30 minutes. It's an easy way to have that repetition. Uh, it, it starts off, escuche y repite, escuche y repite. It says, listen and repeat, listen and repeat. And you can learn anything you want to just by the repetitive process of listening and repeating it. So I start off with 30 minutes of that, but then I quickly go to other things. When I have just received my success magazine for the month, the next morning, I'm going to have the success audio CD in as part of my listening. But then other things that I listen to now during the course of a week when I have seven days and I'm usually on the, the treadmill for five, at least I'm going to have. So at least five hours of listening. So that's going to include things like Andy Stanley's sermon for the week, Joel Osteen's sermon. I always get those. I listen to Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership when they have a new show up. Michael Hyatt, This Is Your Life. Cliff Ravenscraft, that has to do with podcasting and technical information. Chris Brogan, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire. Incidentally, I've got, I'm, I'm, as I'm speaking this, we're going to have a new interview go up with John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire. So if you're a regular listener of his, you'll hear a new one interviewing me. I'm only the second person I think that he's interviewed twice on his show, but I'm delighted to be on there again. So I listen to John Lee Dumas, Eric Fisher, be on the to-do list. I do have, as part of that morning, there's at least 20 minutes where I'm just uh, sitting and thinking about what the day is going to bring. So it's a process of just meditation and reflection and thinking where I don't have anything structured in that period of time. I always do read the, out of Proverbs. I've got one of the Max Lucado study Bibles and I read the Proverbs, the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the day of the month. There's 31 chapters. So every month I can go through that today. I'm 
speaking on the 21st of August. So today I read about the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. I mean, how many times a day do I get confronted with get rich quick schemes? Dan, we can do this and make a million dollars. Well, the Bible says very clearly those are usually going to end up costing you rather than building your wealth. But the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Another verse in there today, getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. I mean, integrity and honesty are one of the, some of the key principles you better have as part of your work life, your business. Those things will lead to wealth over a period of time. So those are the kind of things that I do in the, in the rudder of the day, that golden hour, the first hour of the day. I appreciate your question and love. I mean, I really value that period of time. I usually get up 5.30 to 6. I never set an alarm clock. Haven't used an alarm clock in 35 years, I suppose. I wake up when I'm rested. I go to bed when I'm tired and wake up when I'm rested, but that's usually between 5.30 and 6. I get up, have the 20 minutes of just meditation and reflection time, and then I hit the treadmill and I have an hour. Time where I'm feeding my brain with all that wonderful information that I want to have there at the top of my list, things that inspire me motivate me so I never have an appointment before nine o'clock in the morning and by nine o'clock bring on anything that you want to because I've got a, a pretty strong mindset expecting positive things prepared to deal with anything that comes everything else is just incidental that's the most important hour of the day well James from Hershey Pennsylvania says Dan thanks for the 10 steps to being mentored now I wrote a blog recently about somebody who, as a result of a podcast question, you know, where he said, nobody will mentor me. Everybody says, no, they're too busy. I said, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have anybody say yes. You can have the best mentors in the world, living and dead, because of books, audio programs, and so on. They can be your mentors. So James says, thanks for those 10 steps. I wrote that out as a blog. You can go back and find that if you want to know the 10 things that I recommend for being mentored that it can lead to your own extraordinary success. James says, I was doing a lot of that without realizing that reading and listening to podcasts like yours, Entree Leadership, and others were resources for more than just inspiration. So I've adopted you and Dave Ramsey as my mentors virtually. I actually sent you a question last year and your answer really gave me a slap of reality. My passion is in finances and helping others with their finances like a financial advisor. I started classes for my bachelor's in finance as well. As of right now, I work at a health insurance company and I know this is not where I want to be in five years. I have the opportunity to be an office leader at the tax office where I work, but that's, that position is only seasonal. What would you suggest I do? Well, James, the first thing I suggest is that you get real clear on what you do want your life to look like five years from now. Now, this is a great time of year. We're right here going into the last quarter of the year. This is a time to be identifying clearly what you want 2014 to look like. Now, I'll put in the podcast notes a goal-setting template for you. So you can go and pull that up so you identify what you want 2014 to look like. Now, that also asks you, what do you want your life to look like three years from now? So you back up, what do you need to be doing a year from now? And then what do you be, need to be doing today? So this is a uh, compound effect where what you're doing today is designing the life that you will have three years from now, five years from now. So it's very critical what you're doing right now. But if you decide that you want to be doing financial planning 
three years from now, getting your bachelor's in finance. Yeah, that's a great step. I mean, listening to Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership Podcast or getting certified through his program to do financial counseling would be a great step. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people who want to do financial counseling like that end up doing it as a ministry because the people who need it most have the most difficulty paying for it. So be realistic about who your target audience is. If you need to make your living from the financial counseling, then you need to have a realistic audience where you can generate income in doing that. Certainly you can do that, but a lot of people who end up being called financial planners really are selling insurance, mutual funds. They're really salespeople for products where they get their commissions from the products they're selling rather than having a fee-based for the counseling that they provide. You just decide how you want that to work. There are possibilities in any of that. Again, I'll, I'll put a link to the goal planning process for you. It's just a, a free link, one of our resources. I'll put that in the podcast notes. This is the time to be making plans for what you want 2014 to look like. Now, keep in mind, as you all know, people who never have extraordinary success, people who live lives of mediocrity, do most of their looking in the rearview mirror. They simply look back over their shoulder at what already happened, having very little sense of control, purpose, destiny for what the future is going to bring. You don't need to be like that. You can draw a line in the sand. Your past is whatever it is. You can decide what you want the future to be. But it's then in doing those strategic things that are deposits for the success that you want to show up that you change the results that you're getting. You can do that. Again, this is a great time to be planning, deciding what it is you're going to do to make 2014 the best year of your life. Brian says, thanks for your encouragement in launching my coaching business. Now, this is a business question. He says, if I create or resell products for my clients to buy or to be sold on my website, would I need to charge or build in sales tax for those items? Yes, you do. Coaching is a service. You don't need to charge tax on coaching. Now that can change. These are things that are being looked at every day. And the next thing I'm going to tell you about here is something that absolutely drives state tax auditors crazy. But that is, yes, if you have a product that you create, And you're going to sell that as a little book that you put together. It's spiral bound, but it helps people in their financial planning or whatever life area you're addressing in your coaching. You need to charge tax on that. So here in Tennessee, if you have something that's $10, it's going to be roughly a dollar, a little less than that, but it's going to be right at a dollar that you charge in tax. So that person is going to pay $11. Now, you don't just put that extra dollar in your bank account. That needs to go back to the state wherever you live. So you live in Georgia, so that's going to go to the state of Georgia. You need to apply for a resale license that comes through the state. There's no charge for that, but it does then put in place a paper trail where they're going to expect you to file reports. If your revenue is low, if you're only collecting $100 in taxes every three months, you can file every three months. Now, if you have a little more revenue, you're going to be expected to file monthly. 
me. We file monthly. This is the one report that I do personally because it's so easy to do. Now, my accountant, bookkeeper, you know, they take care of everything else. But this needs to be done on the 20th of the month and to make sure that it, that it is done timely. I do it myself. It takes me about three minutes to do this. I pull the report. It's all done electronically. Write the check. Drop it in the mail. Um, actually, I do it online. I don't even write the check. I do it online. It's a very simple process. But I'll use our business as an example. So through 48 days in a given month, let's say if we have $50,000 in product sales, we may collect tax on $47,000. I mean, we may, we may collect tax. I did that wrong. We may not collect tax on $47,000 and collect tax on $3,000 worth of sales. The reason being that $3,000 was purchased by people who live in the state of Tennessee. The way it's set up currently, those are the only people that we charge tax, people who live in the same state as we do where our physical location of our business is. Everybody else online doesn't pay tax. Now, obviously, that drives all the states crazy. I mean, there have been a lot of this brought up recently because of what Amazon is doing. Amazon is doing millions and millions of dollars selling to people in states where no sales tax is collected because of the way they're set up. We do the same. That's what you do in your coaching business. So if people live in the state of Georgia, yes, collect tax. If they live outside of Georgia, no, you don't have to collect tax. But then you need to file a report that shows those two areas of revenue very clearly. So in our tax report, it's going to show, yeah, we had $50,000 in sales, but $47,000 of that was outside the state of Tennessee. Here's the tax that we collected on the $3,000 purchases in Tennessee. Boom, there's the check. Totally legal. That's the way it's set up right now. Watch for changes in that. I would suspect in the next 18 months, we're going to see major changes in that. I think we're going to have a flat tax of some kind for anybody doing e-commerce online where we'll be required to collect tax on any retail purchase and submit that to somebody. The states will work out how to split that. I have no idea how that will be done. But trust me, there are competent attorneys and legislators working on that because we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that states are missing right now. All right, here comes a question from Kansas City. Dan, thanks for all your podcasts that I listen to during my work hours. I really want to ask you a few questions about going after your dreams. My husband is very smart and talented in the knowledge of entertainment, such as music, movies, and games. However, he doesn't really know where to start. I've been trying to get him to start his own website, which he can put post blogs on the concerts that he attends, the CDs and games that he buys and plays. He just doesn't know how he can make money doing that. Do you have any ideas for him? He's working in the security guard, driver guard field, and it's breaking down his body health. He can't continue down that path. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. I mean, anything is possible these days. Let me just give you a quick example. You hear me doing the podcast here. Let's just say that your husband decides that he is going to do a blog, a podcast about movies, popular movies. Yeah, he can interview. I mean, you can interview people who are other people who are interested in movies, interested in that space. You can interview actors. I mean, uh, Pierce Mars does a inter- uh, podcast on Shark Tank. He interviews most of the people who actually appeared on Shark Tank. I mean, what a cool thing. You, you can with that, I mean, like with the podcasts that I do, I get requests almost daily. 
to have ad spots on here. Now, you don't hear much of that from me, but uh, I'm looking at the possibilities there. may add a few more in the next few months, but right now you hear me do the subtle spot for audible.com because it ties in so well with what I do. I'm recommending books anyway, so you might as well get them there. And sure, they pay me for that. Uh, If you listen to John Dumas on Entrepreneur on Fire, I mean, he's got a whole bunch of sponsors. Those sponsors pay him very well. I mean, he creates a whole lot of income. I mean, he's been pretty open about that, but he creates over $100,000 a year just from the ad spots on his podcast before selling any kind of coaching or any kind of products at all just from the ads on a podcast. So if you get a podcast, now to do that, you have to have a lot of listeners. The reason people contact me is because it's pretty obvious I have a whole lot of listeners to my podcast. And so people are saying, wow, if I can coattail with that, I'd love to you know, pay you for the exposure that it gives us. So there are things like that you can do. Your husband could write eBooks. He can do a blog. And again, you can have, once you have a website, you can have banners running on there. And if you look at like Michael Hyatt's website, uh, just michaelhyatt.com, you're going to see a whole bunch of things down the right-hand side. Those are paid sponsors for the most part. So that generates a lot of revenue. You know, you can do all of those things. You have to get in the game, build an audience. You can't do this from day one. Keep your day job. But if you build an audience, then you can translate that into income. Absolutely. Dan, I'm a video producer. All right, now this one may go in a direction. This comes from Spencer from Linden, Utah. This one may go in a direction that uh, you don't uh, don't want to hear, but here, here's going to be my take. He says, Dan, I'm a video producer with experience in online marketing, social media, and podcasting. Long term, I'm considering my own coaching business, helping others find their calling and living a healthier lifestyle. Before coaching becomes profitable, I must leave my current job where the pay is unreasonably low, considering the added workload and responsibilities being asked of me. Using the 48 days model, I'm preparing to contact several companies in the health, food, and personal development industries. I want to help a company take their social media efforts to the next level. However, not all these companies do much with video or podcasting. I'll be selling myself and selling the idea for a new creative position within a company. How can I best sell the idea for a video social media marketer position? Well, here's what I would do. And it, it doesn't matter if I have a company where we're doing $30,000 a year or if we're doing $3 million a year. I would never pay for a social media position. I would, however, pay for results. Now, here's, here's an example because we're doing this right now. We are tracking our social media results by watching our product sales. So I've looked at our exact product sales from January through July. Every month, I have exactly what our product sales have been here in 2013. Now, we have a lady who's working with us this month in August who is blitzing with social media. She has increased the number of people we have involved in Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn exponentially. I mean, it's Jen McDonald. She's doing a bang-up job Guess what? If we have an increase in sales, I'll be thrilled to have her share in the increased revenue. But see, there's a whole lot of people out here who are in social media who look at it like having a billboard along the freeway. You know, well, yeah, we need to put up three billboards. How is that going to increase our revenue? 
there's no way to really track it. Advertising people have been notorious for this. They don't want to get a percentage of revenue increase. They just want to be paid for the efforts where they make things look nice. And it's going to somehow help your brand. Well, those things are too elusive for me. I don't pay for building my brand. I pay for more money in the bank. And that's how I look at social media. That's a really good example. I mean, you can have somebody who creates a whole lot of activity. It doesn't matter if you've got 50,000 people who are reading your blog or listening to your podcast or following you on Twitter. What I want to look at is how is that impacting revenue generated? If you approach people, companies with that proposal that you're going to be paid based on increasing revenue, you'll have a lot of companies that are willing to work with you and bring you on board. But if you go in and say that, gee, you need to be paid $50,000 a year and you're a social media expert, you're going to have a really hard time finding a position. That term, although it's really popular, it's just too elusive right now. Companies don't really know what is that going to mean. So we get a lot of buzz. But unless we're adding money to the bottom line, who cares? Well, hey, one more quick question. Frank says, Dan, I'm part of your 48 Days Challenge team, and thanks for all you do. I enjoy your teleseminars. I'll be listening to your upcoming one. We've got one coming up. Well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll already have happened, so I don't need to go there. I'll do a review, perhaps. He said, I also purchased your uh, one-on-one starting a business, also bought a copy of 48 Business Ideas. My question to you is, how do you and your buddy Dave Ramsey differ on your financial views and your views on careers? Thanks. I'm not sure what prompted your question in thinking that there are that, that we have different views. For the most part, we really don't. I mean, you, golly, I listen to Dave when he handles the career questions. He handles them exactly as I would. Wow, you're not making any money? Don't hold out for an $80,000 a year job. Get out here and do something. Get a job at Home Depot making 10 bucks. It'll get you in the game. The confidence will do wonders for you and you'll make new connections. I mean, he, he goes right through the career stuff. Originally, when he did Financial Peace University, I wrote the content for what was Lesson 13, the one on careers. Originally, I did the presenting. When we were doing those in actual seminars here in the Nashville area, I did the presenting. Obviously, it grew, took off. Dave adapted that material. I was delighted to have him do that. We've had a wonderful relationship. Dave has sent thousands and thousands of people to our material. We've had that kind of connection over the years. Uh, We're very much in sync. Are there things where on the financial side, he's more extreme than I? Yeah, there are. I mean, we have a lot of history of knowing what products sell as an example. So if I have an opportunity to buy from my publisher uh, 10,000 copies of one of my products that I know we can sell for five times the money that's going to cost me, I don't have a big a big problem with putting that on a line of credit or a credit card. Dave wouldn't do that. And I understand why, because people develop patterns in doing that that lead to their own destruction. But uh, is he going to criticize me for doing it? No. I mean, we have discussions about that. So are there subtle things like that? that I probably do that he doesn't recommend openly on his show doing. Yeah. But for the most part, we really are in line in the things that we recommend both financially and career wise. Thanks for your question. Well, we're just about out of time here. Hey, just as a recap, I I love going back and just reminding you wealthy people are the least likely to retire. 
I mean, how cool is that? They're the least likely to retire. It's the ones who are barely getting by and have they're tied up in work that they hate that are trying to figure out how to retire, not people who are making lots of money and already doing work that they love. But just put yourself in that camp. Retirement, it's going to lose its appeal. Well, remember the guy who says no one's been trying to talk me out of my dream? Remember why? Because he wasn't sharing it. Share your dreams. It'll be an increased motivator for you to make them happen. The things I do in that golden hour, I encourage you, protect your golden hour, just like we're talking about there. Can you make money as a social marketing expert? Yes, absolutely. If you help companies make money, that's the way to do it. Don't just say you're going to create some warm fuzzies out there. And I don't really care how many people are listening to my blog, reading or listening to my podcast, reading my blog or following us on Twitter or LinkedIn. What I track are monthly sales. Now, I'm not diminishing the value of those other things because they are tied together. But the real measure of if it makes sense business wise is, is it increasing our revenue? That's what I look for. We're talking about real business here taking care of business. We're not talking about just some pie in the sky kind of thing that sounds great because we're involved in social media. We're talking about a real business that takes money to the bank. I know that's what you want as well. I know you're part of this amazing group that is finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Hey, let us know your success stories. Love to share them here. Let us know what you're doing to create your own extraordinary success.